The role of diet in the North American obesity crisis has been front and center for years. And eating right, that's simple, but it's not always easy. Shopping for food, that can be complex and in some cases a more stressful situation than what most people encounter on any given day. Turn on the TV or listen to the radio and consumers are sent wildly mixed messages on what to eat, when to eat, and how much. And on the one hand, larger portions, fast food, drive-through cultures in some geographies have become the norm. On the other hand, billions of dollars are spent every year on weight loss books, on weight loss schemes, on pills, on potions, on lotions, even on liposuction, and unfortunately, even lap band surgery for those that are extreme cases. It is sad to say that at this point in the history of our lives, more people are dying of eating more than of eating less. And as a nation, and I can say even as the world, we seem to be in many cases overfed yet undernourished. What is happening to the world these days where eating was something that normally was so simple that has gone to an incredibly different place that is causing as much stress and anxiety as even the health of our children? While it's difficult to wrap our arms around the enormity of this crisis, recognizing that 2 billion people around the world are overweight, how do we solve this problem? As myself having gone through my own obesity issues when I was a teenager and having lost 55 pounds, I can't think of a higher calling than anyone who, someone who wakes up every day and goes to the work in the service of someone else's good health. Our guest today is named Amy Bonder. Amy is one of those individuals who has dedicated herself to wake up every day and go to work in the service of one's mind, body, and spirit. And it is a pleasure and an honor to have her on A Climb to the Top. Amy, welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. Chuck, thank you so much. That I felt that in my heart. It's true to wake up and go to work every day to be able to help transform somebody's health and their relationship with food is the most fulfilling part of my day. Well, let's start with the headline there, and that is, I love the way you put it, and I never thought of it when I went through my obesity issues as a teenager, a relationship with food. Why do we think of it that way now? Well, we have to think that food really is our longest lasting relationship, right? From the moment of our conception to the time of our physical death, we eat. And often we eat five or six times a day. And so that relationship is so vitally important to who we are, to how we feel, to how we function, to how we put ourselves out to the world. And within that relationship, there's opportunity to explore who we are. How do we eat? Who are we as eaters? Who shows up to the table is a really interesting story. It's an important relationship that reveals so much, but yet we don't often go and explore it. <laughs> no, well, I read one of your blog posts and I thought it was an interesting one because I have four children. I have two daughters and one of them in her high school, college years, was going through a very rough time in her relationship with food. I want to 
get this out quickly. What is it about female, the hormonal event necessarily, what you talk about in your blog post, having to help our daughters? Why is that such a prevalent part of, 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 a, of a female's identity and why such a struggle? And then how do we help them? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's just so many messages out there now for young girls in terms of how they should look. Even if we're on social media uh, platforms, TikTok, etc., there's so many videos of how you should be eating, uh, what you should be eating, what diet you should be following, and it's really conflicting conflicting and confusing for everybody. But at that stage of life, you know, for young girls, uh, when our personalities are developing, who we are developing, we can get lost in that world and we're easily swayed. And so often when, um, you know, women and young girls are faced with anxiety, uh, they become anxious about what to eat. They want to, they think that they need to restrict calories to look a certain way or to eat a certain way. And it can really set them up for imbalance within their relationship with food. And they also don't understand or necessarily value at that phase of life health. You know, so sometimes health isn't a super high value. So they're not necessarily eating to be healthy at that phase and stage in life. Sometimes for them, eating is more about how they should be looking. And so that can also set up some different pathways for where they're going to go with their relationship with food. But it's such an important time to intervene because we see so many eating disorders and unwanted eating behaviors show up around age 17 to 25, even younger. Most eating disorders show up between age 12 to to 25 right and so we have to really be aware of what our girls are going through and how their relationship with food may be a reflection of things in their lives that are not feeling great or not what they're not feeling good about in their lives yeah and unfortunately i I checked i looked at i wanted to see in the world health organization all of the different statistics about obesity and while, while most of them were not a surprise you just look around you can see it what was sad, Amy, is there is the approximation that there are approximately 60 million children around the world between one in five who are classified as either overweight or even potentially obese. Mm. How did it seep into the worldwide culture at such a young age? I think we've just lost connection to food and what nourishment really means, you know, with all of the processed package, refined food, the quick foods, the fast food that you mentioned at the beginning, that has just become the norm. And often within families, when life is so busy and stressful and there's not a lot of time to cook and not a lot of time to sit and have meals together, I think there's just been a real disconnect to what food really is. What does it mean for us? What does it do for our body? And so now that conversation, it's so important that it comes back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to get to this because I, I want to be able to give you an opportunity to offer prescriptions. But let's go back. What led you? And let, let's start with your days of social work in college. Where did this journey begin? What is it? Was it even before that? Yeah, it absolutely was. You know, I grew up with a mother who was a chronic dieter, a yo-yo dieter, struggled with her weight. I had very close friends with eating disorders, anorexia and bulimia. And for me, I, I took on my father's role where we loved food and I always had a healthy relationship with food. And so it very much fascinated me how something so essential and something that could be so joyous and enjoyable 
could be so conflicting for other people. And so I always knew that I wanted to help people, which is why I went into social work. Uh, but I never knew exactly how that was going to look. Um, and so when I went into social work, I realized this wasn't necessarily the platform that I wanted to use to help people. But on my own journey along the way, and we spoke about this, Chuck, when I traveled through Africa, uh, I came home quite sick. And I had to go on a journey of healing my own body with the power of food and realizing how powerful food can be for healing, for optimization, etc. And so that made me realize that if this could work so well and it inspires me so much to do it for myself, I would want to help others and inspire others to do the same. And at the time, were you conscious of either the quote, let, med let food be thy medicine, medicine be thy food, which goes back thousands of years, but is really the basis for nutritional healing? Were you on board as nutrition as a healer, or did that come to you through the course of your formal education? That came to me through the course of it. I always loved food. So that the enjoyment was always there, the love for it, but truly food is medicine really only came to me as I started to realize how it made me feel. But in the course of my education, for sure, is when it really became awakened. And I appreciate that because I want to pr provide perspective where and now you are north of the U.S., you're in Canada, and I'm in the U.S. So we're serving two, two, two different potentially cultures, but there's a lot in common. On the United States side, there is the sentiment, and I'm generalizing here, that if you are sick, you will go to a doctor, receive a prescription, and while we may argue that it treats the symptom, not the cause, that seems to be the American medical model. Yet, I would think for the practice that you evolved, you have a different approach to that healing. Is that fair? Absolutely. Tell us yeah. about that. How does that work? Well, we want to get to the root of why you're feeling the way that you are. And that's where my study in nutrition really helped me to explore is what is causing these symptoms? Are there specific nutrient deficiencies? Are there weaknesses within your organ systems or your hormonal systems? And how can we use food then to correct those and to bring balance back to the body? Because wellness really only happens when there's balance within the body. And so to use food or supplements um, can really play one of the most pivotal roles in helping people feel so much better than they are and to alleviate symptoms and improve conditions and even slow the progression of certain conditions. Well, we, as we often speak to other people, they think about food as being disconnected from other things. Yet when I look at your website and I read about you, and certainly it's something I feel, and you use that word integrated, explain where food integrates into everything else that we do. Mm. So I always say that food, our nutrition, it's the foundation for everything. So I often teach that everything in the universe has vibration. Okay, if you break down our cells or our atoms, if you look at that, they're just vibrations of light. Whole food is also vibrational light. It's vibrations of light. Um, essential oils, which I use in my practice, are also vibrations of light, plant medicine. Yeah. And so we resonate. Our cellular body resonates with the level of vibration of the food in which we eat. So the more vibrant, whole, magnetic, and rich our food is, the more cells, our cellular energy vibrates, and we emit that energy to the world. Mm -hmm. So 
how do you want to show up in the world? How do you want to show up in business? How do you want to show up to your family with the most vibration that you can, with that greatest level of energy? So food begins to not only support our physical body, but it also helps our spiritual body and how we want to show up. And then what we eat also impacts how we feel mentally and emotionally. But at the same time, how we feel mentally and emotionally can also impact how we do food. And that's where I really integrate eating psychology into my work and into the work of nutrition. I, I've, I'm a big fan of Michael Pollan, and I read Omnivore's Dilemma and many of the other books that he wrote. And in one of the books that struck me where he said, and I'm speaking of the United States because he cited it, that 17% of the meals in the United States are eaten in a car. What's wrong with that? We're all in a hurry. Yeah, because we're disconnected when we eat quickly, when we're on the go, when we're not even watching our food, tasting our food, we don't even receive the full benefit of the food, uh, benefit of the food. And so the key is, is that when we're eating, it's such a beautiful opportunity to commune and come home to ourselves. Like I said, if we have to eat five or six times a day, even if you're only getting in three meals a day, each moment that you eat is an opportunity to reconnect, to ground to just get centered, to eat slowly, to be grateful and gracious for the food that you're receiving. And when we eat in that way, we actually receive full benefit of all of that, all of those nutrients. They're assimilated more effectively. We metabolize our food more effectively. We digest it more effectively. Well, what you're describing, Amy, often when people ask me, and this isn't about me, but people do ask because of my history, and people ask, how do you eat, Chuck? And it's like, well, I definitely follow the paleo diet. And I, I, I eat five things. I eat proteins, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. That's it. Nothing out of a box in a bag. I walk into the supermarket. I stay on the periphery. I eat whatever comes from a farm and nothing that has been sealed. However, people look at me with an oddity. Oh my God, you're crazy. Can you put into perspective why we tend to categorize the way people eat and why is that a bad thing? Oh, maybe it's a good thing. Why do we do that? It's a really good question. I mean, listen, there is so many different ways to eat out there as there are people on the planet. Yeah, and some will argue there's not. There's one way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But the truth is, is they're not because we're, there's not one way. There is no one perfect system, no one right method. Every sort of typical method that's out there absolutely has wisdom and has benefit for some people, but for others not. The thing I truly believe that we have to understand who we are as individuals, because no one diet is built for the masses, although that's what's sold, that this one way of eating is perfect for everybody. But the truth is, is it's not. We have to know who we are, what phase of life we might be in, because a woman going through perimenopause and what she needs to eat is very different than what a 20-year-old girl needs to eat and very different from what a man who's going through andropause needs to eat. So there's not one specific way. And we all have unique ways that our body system works, our body type is. So I do something called metabolic typing, which is a very scientific approach to understanding understanding how your body uses food for energy. And I also use Eastern philosophies where I look at Ayurvedic nutrition and your Ayurvedic dosha, your body type to understand how should food best support your system for balance. So I don't know, you know, in my training as an eating psychology coach, and I, and I, uh, I share the name, my mentor, Mark David taught this to me. Um, he, you know, we, he taught this, this really important 
approach to nutrition, that there's a masculine and a feminine approach to nutrition. And the masculine really focuses on the one way. We, <laughs> make, we, we uh, look for the perfect diet, the perfect system, the one way to eat. We measure everything. We scale it. You know, it's just very masculine <laughs> focus. It's linear. It's linear, right? I'm in charge. And you're in charge. <laughs> I'm going to open this book, follow this plan. I'm going to go to it. And then there's this feminine approach to nutrition, which I actually call feminine, feminine approach to nourishment. And that's where we are open to exploring different ways of eating. What feels right for me in this moment, in this season, in this cycle of my life? Maybe I will try paleo and experiment that. But you know what? Maybe today I'm going to try more of a therapeutic approach. Maybe I'm going to try more plant-based today. So it's really about this experimental way of nourishing the body. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they don't think about food in that way. Um, they just want to sort of have the perfect system. Other people don't think about food at all. They just want to eat whatever it is they want to eat. Other people who seriously value their health are going to choose to eat to support that. But I just don't think that there's a one perfect way for everybody. I think it's about knowing and personalizing nutrition for you. And that's where we've got messed up because we built it for the masses and we have to come home to who we are and what feels best for each and every one of us. Well, Amy, walk us through when somebody reaches out to you for help. How are they feeling and do they know what they're asking for? Mm -hmm. Well, often people, first of all, will reach out for nutrition just because of a weight challenge. Maybe they just want to lose 10 or 15 pounds. Right. But it's so much more than that because right. we can't lose weight until we balance the body and get all the systems working. But Yet often we seem people... to take we seem to take a very tactical approach. It's a short term goal. Amy, help me lose 15 pounds and then I'm done. Yes. Is, is that is, do you find that often? It's very common. And I think what we're realizing now more and more that food is medicine so that when somebody has a digestive issue, when they're coming in with constant headaches, if they have fatigue, they're stressed out and burned out, um, they're having hormonal imbalances. Now people are starting to think about, well, maybe I'll check my nutrition first. Before I go to the doctor, before I get the prescription, I'm going to maybe explore nutrition. So people will come to me for, for weight, but ultimately they're also just not feeling good. They may come with five or six other symptoms and weight is also one of them. And so when people work with me, I'm going to take a whole exploration of what's going on in their health history, their current health, their lifestyle, their relationship with food, what they're actually eating, so we can understand how they're feeling and then how to optimize their nutrition to improve all of those different ways. And in, and in some cases, has there been the medical model prescription that they have taken a pill or something else and recognized, I've tried those things and they don't seem to be working. Is that common? Very common. Yeah. Yeah. A lot and, of people. And how do you advise? Uh, if the doctor said this, you're saying something else potentially? Mm -hmm. So I will never tell anybody to go off medication. That's not my role. That's not my purpose. But if nutrition is the foundation for healing, for wellness, and it's like, well, let's see what we can do with your nutrition. Let's see where we can tweak it, adjust it, optimize it to see if we can improve those symptoms. And as you begin to feel better with your nutrition, then you can maybe go back to your doctor and have a conversation about, you know, can we get redo my labs? Can we see if I can maybe reduce some of these medications? Maybe I don't need them anymore. You know, and so that's sort of how we work. We work in adjunct, not in separation. I appreciate that. Let, let, let's take a case, so to speak. Take, take an individual. That way to our listeners, we can make this real. 
somebody comes to you and struggling 20, 25 pounds, I can't seem to shake it. I tried this, I tried that in general. And I recognize this is not someone specific. What's the plan? So the plan is to do a 90 minute thorough nutritional intake and analysis, like I said, and get really clear on what's going on within their lifestyle, within their diet that's contributing to their symptoms and their weight gain. And then along with that, I use an advanced NutriBody analysis, which again, looks at 53 different sections of the body. It's looking at every vitamin, every mineral, every organ system function, endocrine system, plus other things like yeast overgrowth, parasites, et cetera. So I can get a full picture. It's like my lab without having to take any bodily fluids. And so putting those two pieces of the puzzle together, then I personalize a nutritional plan for that person. And then I do a thorough education on how to build their foundations and how to put in specific foods to target a specific symptom or condition, et cetera. And it comes with meal suggestions and recipes, et cetera. And they work with that plan and I keep them accountable. I coach them to support them along the way. And then we do follow-ups and we check in and see how things are going. And that's how we begin the journey. And, and do, you all, do you ever get, why don't you just tell me what to eat? Well, I, well, I don't often get that because people do actually want more specifics, right? Sure, I can have say, yeah, Chuck, you, I can tell you what to eat. I can tell you what to have for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. But do you like those foods? Will you actually go and buy those foods at the health food store? So for me, it's about understanding who you are, what your relationship is. How, is my, how are my recommendations going to work for your lifestyle? I have to meet you where you're at. You know, I got to know your loves, your dislikes. And I also have to understand that relationship with food because sometimes if I say, hey, we should take out your grains to help you achieve weight loss, for example. Some people have real emotional attachment to that. Those may be the foods they binge on. Those may be the foods they crave for very emotional reasons. And so just telling somebody to eat this and don't eat that really doesn't work. And frankly, that's why diets fail because it's not real life. And so I'm trying to help really support people in their life and creating a nutritional lifestyle for them that works or that. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that. Because I remember when I was going through my own, it was a mindset that somebody whispered into my ear, think about the first three letters of the word diet. And I was like, okay, so you know, I took, <laughs> I was a little slow on that. What? Die? What, what, aren't we supposed to diet? And I think in helping people understand that losing weight is not a function of a diet. It starts with the mindset and then you got to bring the heart in here because you have to want to be able to do that. Do you, and the question is, as it relates, what are the mindsets that people come with and how do you help them adjust the mindset that this is not a diet? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the first conversations I have is, is that I don't come from a place of restriction. I really, really inspire people to think about using food that from nature's garden that's abundant right and so it's just about reframing that we're not calorie counting i'm not i don't do weigh-ins i don't ask people to weigh themselves it's really about how do you feel we're going to teach you how to use food and how does it make you feel why are you eating when you do veer off path you know why did why did that happen let's explore what triggered that the stressors the emotions uh you know what was going on in your life that day that set you off path whereas you know a lot of people come to me and they've been on so many diets 
it's that they feel like they have to be perfect at it, that if they cheat, which is a real diet word, if they cheat, then they failed, that they have no willpower, no motivation. And so all of that languaging, I really try to reframe that. Because again, it's not about dieting, it's about eating for wellness. And also, for me, it's so important to understand what people my clients values are. I want to know what's most important to you, Chuck, so that you're eating to serve that you're eating to nourish that. So if your business is your highest value, how do we raise the level and the quality of your food so that you are showing up with high vitality with your business and making smart business choices? If it's family, how do we optimize your nutrition so that you have longevity and energy to play with your kids? If it's financial, how do we optimize your nutrition so you can use your investments when you retire and enjoy your life versus paying for your illnesses, right? So it's really connecting to what people care about. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. Are people surprised at the scale and the enormity of what you take to understand something that they may perceive? What's the big deal? This is simple. I think so. And I think that we have simplified nutrition, right? And that's why people are, are almost conflicted within this. I was like, well, I know what to eat, but why can't I just do it? <laughs> and I think because the eating psychology piece, the real relationship with our food and who we are as eaters is not often explored or necessarily talked about. It is a collective issue, but a silent struggle that people have with food. How many people stress eat, emotionally eat, binge eat, you know, and they may have great nutritional intentions when they start their day, but they've never learned how to resolve their stresses in their day or handle their stress optimally. And so food becomes, you know, the, the uh, quote unquote, the cure, I don't want to say cure for that, but that's how people use food to feel better about the things that aren't going well in their day. Yeah. And it's a fascinating view that you take that you don't measure because you, you may not take their weight, you may, but many people, when they talk about health, or even when they talk about diets, there's usually a number associated. Hey, I lost 15 pounds. And that's something certain to be proud of. But that tends to be the expression, is this working? Well, yes, because I lost 15 pounds in a dress size or whatever that may be. Do you get pushback on that? It's like, what the hell? You're not going to measure me? You're not going to weigh me? Well, that, oh, people I are relieved, Chuck. <laughs> People are relieved that I don't measure and weigh. And here's the right. thing, because the number is just a number, right? And so I often focus on, well, how do you feel? You, you don't need to step on a scale to know how you feel, to know how your clothes are fitting. Um, and the thing is, is that often if we don't achieve the number, right, then we feel we haven't succeeded. And so you still might feel, be feeling really good. A lot of your symptoms are improving. Your energy is increasing. You're sleeping better, et cetera. And you get on the scale and you don't like the number that you see. Well, that sets you up for a terrible day. Your psychology for your day is now messed up. What you choose to eat, how you approach people, the energy you put out to the world, all of that has changed in a minute of stepping on the scale and seeing a number. It's a good day if you like the number, but it's a pretty terrible day if you don't. So why do we want to give that power to the number? I'd rather focus on how are we using food to make you feel amazing. Yeah, and that's that's reframing what it means to succeed when they start on whatever that plan may be. Mm-hmm. Where does one, well, let me let me, before we figure out how to find you, I, I often on the show ask people who are now, this is your opportunity, Amy, to speak to our listeners, our viewers, many come in on YouTube, 
What do you want them to think, feel, and do about this confounding complexity of dealing with food? I want people to know that it's really important to have a nutrition expert on your wellness team. Just like you have a doctor, a dentist, a vet for your pet, having a nutrition consultant or expert is really important because you want to be able to know what is right for you. And that will really help to get rid of all of the conflicting and confusing information that's out there in the nutritional world. And I also want people to know that there are incredible things that can happen to your health when you awaken to the power of food. The slightest eliminations, additions, adjustments to your diet can make the most tremendous difference, not only how you feel physically, mentally, emotionally, but even spiritually. And so it's exciting. There is this amazing relationship that we have every day that we've often ignored. <laughs> and it's like, let's take care of it. Let's inspire it. Let's educate it. And let's optimize it so that you can wake up every day with the most energy, the greatest level of vitality to go do what you would love to do. That's what I would love for people to know and do with food. And that's a great, that's a, a great takeaway because when I go to the gym, I see many people with personal trainers and I wonder, do you have a personal trainer at home? Because to, to me, fitness is controlled 75% by what happens with a knife and a fork. Yes. <laughs> other people think of it differently. Well, if I eat this, I'll go to the gym, I'll run an extra hour and a half. So you got to be kidding me. That's diminishing returns and that's exhausting. And I suspect you must, let's leave with that. The tug of war between I'll just exercise and it's okay to not eat so well. How do you help advise them with this mentality of I'll just run an extra 10 miles? I just want to, first of all, understand why don't you want to feel amazing every time you eat? <laughs> it's like, let's just explore that first, because I, again, I think people are just so disconnected to how food should make them feel and what it's there for, right? So it's like, no, let's eat so you can have the most maximum uh, performance in your workout, right? Uh, and let's eat to fuel that. Uh, so that's really what I would be very curious about exploring is, is that why do you want to eat? Why do you want to put crap in your body? First of all, <laughs> let's explore yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, with you, yeah. I'm with you on that. And I, I, I'm, I wonder myself and I think back to my old self and trying to understand and relate why people do what they do. But I appreciate that people like you do what you do to help them because they don't always aren't able to see it themselves. And yeah. Amy, where, where does one find you? amybondar.com is the best place for people to find me. Yeah, all my services are there. Many of my philosophies are on there that I teach and my programs. That's fantastic. And to, to our listening audience, I'm Chuck Garcia. You have listened to a climb to the top stories of transformation. Amy has shared with us in a very brief way how she transformed herself from childhood of being the product of a habitual eater, I suspect, calling your mom a, a yo-yo dieter to college, to social work, to ultimately making the conscious choice to go to work every day in the service of someone else's health. And for that, Amy, I am grateful to you for doing what you do to help one person at a time overcome this confounding issue. And I thank you very much for your contribution and for coming on to A Climb to the Top. 
thank you, Chuck. And thank you for giving this light because it's such an important topic. So I appreciate it so much. It thank you. It is my pleasure. And to our listeners signing off now, thank you as always for coming in every week. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>